episode number 408, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and the rest of the franchise. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Hello and welcome back to Strangers and Aliens. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here with someone who is new to the podcast. Uh, not new to me. I've known him for a, a long, long while, especially from uh, Christian comic book groups that we've been a part of. But uh, this is Eddie Medina. and So welcome, Eddie. Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm excited to be on Strangers and Aliens. <laughs> So Eddie is an artist and a podcaster and also a PE teacher. Is that your your day job then? That is. Uh, All right. Kindergarten PE. I'm sorry. Elementary PE. Kindergarten through sixth grade. And my wife and I do some podcasting. We're on a current hiatus, but we uh, our main podcast we do is Figments, the Unexplained Mysteries podcast, where we talk about anything mysterious from Bigfoot to. Uh, UFOs to conspiracy theories and uh yeah and I dabble somewhat in some art here and there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for this episode I knew we have to do an episode about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's just Yeah. It, I I watched it and as I was watching I was like I got to talk about this. I've got to uh-huh. get a chance to talk about this. Uh Evan it's difficult for us to connect these days and Steve has not seen the movie. And then I keep seeing in my Facebook feed, there's, there's Eddie with another another post about Indiana Jones. There's another picture uh-huh. of, of Indiana Jones stuff. And there's another post about Indi- – and so – and then obviously in your background there, you've got um, some Indiana Jones merch. That, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm a, just like, I'm, a, okay. I'm an attainer of uh, rare and fine antiquities, as they say. <laughs> do they belong in a museum? They do. Uh, my wife would say yes. That way they can get out of the house and out of her way. But Nice. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was just thinking, okay, if I can't get Steve or Evan on this, then this is probably, I mean, I again, all, through all just the years, I've seen also your podcasting stuff showing up and um, some of the Star Wars stuff you've done. And, um, yeah. Yeah, and then the, the weird, mysterious stuff, which also just uh, intrigues me. That we, we should probably have you on to talk about that stuff, too, I think. Oh, I love talking anything. Whole, I mean, just oh man, whatever. I will yeah. gladly join y'all's show whenever y'all need me. <laughs> All right. All right. Maybe get your wife on too sometime because yeah, she's definitely. your your cohort there. So oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So this the way we're going to talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destinies. We're going to start just by talking about just the franchise, and then that'll probably lead us naturally into the end of the franchise. <laughs> And and then, um, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. We're here to talk about Indiana Jones. All right. So, so should we just so, go into it? Dive into it? Yeah, yeah. Let's dive into it. Start. All right. Where does it start for you? Where does Indiana Jones start for you? How did you? Oh, come gosh. to be a collector of antiquities. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this goes back to 1981 when the movie came out. I mean, of course, I was all nuts for Star Wars. You know, uh, just. Empire had already come out the year before. Let's see, eighty-one. I was eight years old, so I was just at that age where I was just like anxious for just the next thing. Of course, Jedi was a couple of years out, 
But mm-hmm. I remember seeing the preview for Raiders of the Lost Ark and uh, immediately recognizing Harrison Ford. And my family, you know, we all we all went, my brothers and sisters, my parents, we all went to go see the movie. And I was just absolutely blown away. I had never, I mean, I thought you couldn't top Star Wars at that point, but I had never seen anything like Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, it had everything in it. It had just the... <laughs> The, the the hero that you connected to immediately, the damsel that you fell in love with, the um and you know, the spiritual themes. Even at that age, I thought it was so cool to see hear these things in the movie that they're referring to the Ten Commandments and Moses and God. So I thought, Oh my gosh, you know, Han Solo knows about the Ten Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's such a silly thing for a kid, but you know, it was it was cool and of course, you know, uh, it was just Mind blowing, mind blowing to see to see that movie on the big screen. And from then on, I was just in the backyard pretending to be Indiana Jones. I was, you know, running from invisible boulders and you know, uh, dodging Hovito arrows and just everything. I just <laughs> I ate it up, I ate it up the uh, the Marvel comics. I couldn't get enough of that. Uh, you know, collecting the trading cards and the action figures, and you know, just kind of went from there. Just from there to Temple of Doom and. Last Crusade and so forth. So, yeah. Yeah. So I my introduction to Indiana Jones was actually in uh, at a church small group outing, uh, not mm-hmm. outing, but we were visiting someone's house for like a potluck or something like that with my parents' small group or whatever. I don't know what they called it back then, but um, and so I was just there with my buddy and we're sitting downstairs yeah. and they had cable. They turned on the TV and it's the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's like uh-huh. what is this? And again, the same thing where it's that's, that's Han Solo. What's, yeah. <laughs> what's he doing? Uh-huh. And, and so that was like, and I mean, Raiders of Lost Ark, I feel like is a masterclass in just filmmaking and yes. just like, just the brilliance of, of mm-hmm. just, you can watch that movie with no audio and know mm-hmm. exactly what's going on. And it's all about tone. It's all about body language. It's all about camera movement, camera placement. I mean, yeah. there's just so much to it. And just the way he would use, shadows to imply things that were going on and then um and then special effects to not imply at all we're just going to show it all you know you're just going to see the skin melting and so (laughs) then um so then i watched it again because my dad who was a youth pastor rented a vcr so that they could bring over (laughs) um we we didn't own a vcr we rented the vcr it was for the youth Uh group to come over to our house not to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. We just rented that on top of the other stuff we rented. We rented yeah. a Carmen music concert <laughs> and watched Carmen do this uh, music concert. That's what we rented to watch with the with the youth group. And then another time we did that was Thief in the Night. But um, uh-huh. oh my god, Thief in the then, Night. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but then we rented Raiders of the Lost Ark for us to watch, and that was yeah. like, oh my word, what am I watching here? This is. Um, but then uh-huh. after that, I didn't see Temple of Doom forever because of oh, just yeah. the controversy yeah. around it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the the whole you know that was the summer of of Gremlins or whatever when it's like okay, we need a new rating. If mm-hmm. if Gremlins mm-hmm. and Temple of Doom are going to get PG, mm, it's not worth the R, but it's not the PG. So it, right. And so I remember hearing about that on the radio and just being like, what is what is this? And then it wasn't until high school that um, my buddies and I rented. Uh, Temple of Doom, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. saw, of course, Last Crusade, which to me, Last Crusade was the more, um, 
I, I still don't think it was as artful as Raiders of the Lost Ark in, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways for, for me, but the spiritual ideas that you found in that one, I felt were just even more uh, blatant and, and yes. weirdly blatant, you know? And yeah. so, and it's interesting to watch this progression. If you take the chronological progression, you've got Temple of Doom, which takes place first, and it's uh-huh. almost like an opening to spiritual awareness for him. And yeah. then you have the Old Testament uh, kind of vision of God in, in uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then you get to the Last Crusade and it's the, the New Covenant. You know, you've got yeah. the, you know life kind of thing. And then um, and then you get into the fourth movie. But, um, but let's uh, – sticking with that original trilogy, which I feel like that original trilogy is one of the best trilogies of all time if you just uh-huh. take those three movies – uh, you add in the the final two, it's still a great franchise, but that trilogy mm-hmm. is just so so well rounded and, and well oh, done. Oh yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. But, and oddly okay, enough, so Temple uh, of Doom. Yeah, I was the same as you. We we heard all the controversy on TV uh, and in the news about how violent and dark it was, and and my parents, um, they weren't the type of parents just let us go watch just anything. We you know they were very. Uh, particular on what their kids were watching and so and they knew Raiders was my favorite movie but they're like oh I'm not sure about that because they're just all the things are so negative you know they're I remember the news guy was saying and there's one scene where they're eating snakes and and all and I was like (laughs) that's really bizarre but okay and I I got to see it later once it hit cable and then it came on cable and my brother and I watched it and I thought yeah this is a lot more gruesome and you wouldn't think so because in the first one you had the melting Nazis and exploding Belloc. Right, right. Thing. But, but it, I don't know. I don't know why we were so much more forgiving of Raiders and its and its score. But uh, Temple of Doom, it, it had to grow on me over the years. Uh, right at first, Willie Scott just really annoyed me. I mean, really. <laughs> but now I can watch it and I I love her. I think she's just so so endearing and. Uh, Short round was great. I always thought that was. I'm not usually big on the little kid sidekick, you know. Um, but you know, short round. I, I think they they did him just right to where he wasn't that typical annoying kid. I mean, he was short round. He had his annoyances about him, but yeah, um, yeah. Temple of Doom. It, it 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 took a while to grow on me, but I can definitely watch it now and appreciate it for what it is. I feel like with short round. You almost needed him in the movie, though, because of the whole um, you know, children being kidnapped and oh, put into yeah. slavery, and yeah, uh, I've, and, and then also being that kind of innocent presence in the midst of all that darkness, and yeah. and being the one who, in, in a lot of ways, is pulling Indiana Jones out of um, just all the the magic stuff that was going on and the, the stuff that was mm-hmm. like uh, mm-hmm. affecting Indy. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think one of the reasons why. Uh, Temple of Doom just never doesn't doesn't strike the highs. Uh-huh. Uh, is is that opening sequence with the musical number? <laughs> and the, 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 the strange thing about the musical number is it just breaks reality and uh-huh. and goes into this like this is not a stage show. This is on a soundstage, you know, yeah. and it just. So it breaks a little bit of reality, but then that opening sequence right after it mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. amazing. Like that's oh, yeah. so much fun. Uh, I wanted to, my wife didn't let me, uh, when she was with my fiance, I, I wanted to do that tux for our wedding. She didn't <laughs> want me to have the, she didn't want me to have the white jacket, but I really wanted to do that. Um, oh my so gosh. <laughs> I, I, I let that one slide. 
Um, you know, um, <laughs> with the with the six inch Indiana Jones figures that are out now, there's a Indy in a tuxedo, and you can go on the Hasbro website and do a selfie where they'll do your head. Oh yeah. And you can always order that and switch out the indie head with your head, and then you'll finally have the wedding Ben Avery action It'll, figure. The what if? And figure. I can do my my wife's head on Karen Allen's body. Yeah, can I do that. Is, I'm okay. sure you could anything. I'm sure yeah. anything's possible in the world of customizing action figures. Oh my gosh! Yeah. But, so uh, Temple of Doom, I I like it again, especially watching the chronology of, of the character in that. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think it's really interesting that that was made into a, I mean, it was a prequel. Like mm-hmm. you don't, mm-hmm. know, unless you're paying attention, you don't really know. Oh, um, t- definitely. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't even, I didn't know until one of my buddies in high school was like, Hey, yeah, this takes place before Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm just like, why? Yeah. And, and it, of course I hadn't registered with me also, you know, Star Wars had become episode four, five, and six. And uh-huh. um but yeah, so doing it out of order. But then you get into Last Crusade, and that's the one that just Oh yeah. That's where I became, I would say, a, a fan, really. I mean, before that I was it was casual. I liked it. It's uh-huh. George Lucas, it's Steven Spielberg. But mm-hmm. Last Crusade is where it was like, Oh wow, this is yeah. this is big. This is I I love this. And uh yeah, that was when I got the fedora then, and that was when my buddies and I, we, we did, uh, we made like home movies, and uh-huh. and one one weekend our home movie was Indiana Ben, and I can't remember it was Indiana Ben. It had we did two Indiana Bens, and one of them was the the tuba of doom, and then the other one was the the lost head of something or other, um, and. The way please it ended tell me, is, please tell me you have those somewhere, those videos. They are somewhere, but I still don't know where. I did about seven or eight years ago, got together with my high school friends, and we watched them all. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the one with the lost head, that one ends with me finding the head and doing the whole, like, and it was a little Inca um, head that I had from, from when I did a mission trip to Mexico. Yeah. And um, it has me trying to answer the three riddles and uh-huh. it was basically you know riffing on the holy grail i get the riddles wrong and then uh my body stands up and turns around and we adjusted my shirt so that the head had switched with me <laughs> and i was stuck with uh, on the little pedestal there and it was like a big twist oh and my gosh we were, it was so much fun and it, again, it's like a twilight zone or something you know that, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. twist at the end <laughs> but the idea being like and this is not just me. This is everybody in a lot of ways. You know, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Superman, all those things just drove creativity and, right. and caused us to say, I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. Star Wars especially, you know, but mm-hmm. Indiana Jones just with the – from the, you know, the special effects that they were doing and the storytelling. Um, but yeah, Last Crusade, mm-hmm. what was that, 89 like that yes. was a big yes. year for movies. That was oh Batman, um, uh, Last Batman. Crusade. It was Star Trek Five. Um, oh, what else was it? Ghostbusters Two, maybe. I, I don't know. I feel it like was it was quite a summer. It, it was a big summer for franchises. Like mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though Batman was the first one in the franchise, it really wasn't the first one in like if you're looking at the DC franchise. But then '89 yeah. was what kicked it off to go beyond Christopher Reeve and, and have success beyond that. Yeah, but yeah. It just it was a huge year, and 
we rented that one a bunch of times. I, I feel like some movies I look back and I'm like, we should have just bought it. You know, yeah. <laughs> we should have just purchased the movie instead of spending three or whatever. Yeah. Three dollars I mean, for a weekend. VHS eight times. Tapes were just insane back then, though. Unless yeah, you're re- ready to plunk down eighty to hundred bucks for a movie, you just weren't going to get most movies, you know, in your personal library. Yeah. Uh, but um, in fact, around that time was when my dad bought for me um, Star Trek Three, and it was mm-hmm. the official release. But he mm-hmm. bought it used from a, a mm-hmm. video store, and the tag markdown was regular. Or original price ninety nine ninety five, sale price nine ninety five. But and so he he saw it and got it because it's just like oh yeah this Ben's gonna love this so oh yeah um, yeah yeah I'm ashamed anyway, to say so that last crusade for you oh I was gonna say I'm, Go I'm ashamed to say that during that era we did a lot of dubbing of VHS tapes <laughs> we would you know rent them and you know hook the two VCRs mm-hmm. together and like dub. That way you can uh, have a copy, a pirated copy. <laughs> my my cousin did that, and I was at his house, and it was like, oh, you have Star Trek, the motion picture? I want to watch this. Because I, I had taped it off of TV, but this yeah. might have even been before I taped it off of TV. And we played, we put it in. It didn't work. It had the, the copy oh, control the, or whatever it was yeah, on the, it. Yeah, where it would flash sometimes. Sometimes it would glitch well, every few it seconds. Was just, the entire time, was, it was just glitching. And oh, it was okay. just like yeah. a, a wavy screen the, for the the whole copy that they had made, and it was just like, oh, okay, I guess. I, but I, but you, you got to be masters at removing commercials, and, yeah, and, yeah, and watching and pausing. <laughs> and you, if you're doing that, you don't go to the bathroom during the commercial because right. you got to be ready to hit the pause button oh, yeah. as soon oh, yeah. as it comes back. So, yeah. so last crusade for you then? What was? What was your experience oh, with that one? Last Crusade, I remember we were um, at uh, – I was on the yearbook staff at, uh, in high school, and we went to yearbook camp, and the teacher said, hey, let's go to the movies tonight, and Last Crusade was playing. So I was like, well, of course. I think it might have even been opening night. Um, and it was – again, it was just such an experience because – that was the first. That was the second time getting to see an Indiana Jones movie in the theater since we had skipped Temple of Doom and didn't mm-hmm. see it until it came out on uh, cable. But like you were saying, the spiritual themes in it were just so awesome. You know the the, and I think that's what I love about it is Henry Jones Senior is uh, he's just that that guiding light all through the movie. You know, uh, I remember we were sitting down from uh, a couple. And the part where they're in the on the motorcycle and sidecar, and Indy uses the Lord's name in vain, and then mm-hmm. his dad slaps him, and he says, "That's for blasphemy." And I remember the lady <laughs> down the road was like, "Blasphemy!" And then she turned to her husband, she was like, "Is using Jesus' name like that blasphemy?" And he was like, "I guess it is." <laughs> so I thought it was, yeah, it's like they had an awakening at that point. It's like, oh, maybe we should just use the Lord's name in vain like that. <laughs> But, That's really uh, interesting. But uh, I just, yeah, I mean, even now watching that movie, I, I, I almost get choked up at the end from just. I, I've gotten emotional in my old age, actually. You know, but mm. um, just that that whole interplay with his father dying in Indy, it just has to put himself in this situation in order to save his dad. And when he comes back, and 
the moment, I mean, the moment where he pours the, the grail water on him and saves his life. And then the music kicks in. I mean, the John Williams music and all of these movies are, is just, you talk about sparking creativity. I can remember just putting on those records and just listening to the, the John Williams themes. Uh, just, they're just classic. Even now, uh, right in the car, was, I, I'll just put them. It was the, the cassette the for on. me. Yeah. It was the yeah. cassette for me, but that was one of my first, um, put on the headphones and write music. Yeah. Like the, where it was definitely John Williams. I mean, anything that he did was right. like, it's gold, but right. The music, I, I, I won't say the music elevates the movie. I think the music rises up to what the movie is. And as a whole, then as a holistic thing, you know, especially Raiders and last crusade, although temple of doom, some of the music there, I think causes you to say, okay, this is even better than it actually is. Like the, uh, it just, yeah, some of that just really sticks out, but mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. I just, I put that, put that on and I would write to it and it would just, you know, transport me to another world and I can mm -hmm. you know, write my adventure stories that I'm writing and stuff like that. And then, <laughs> uh, and it really, even now is, is, you know, John Williams, I've, I've expanded my palette beyond just John Williams and Jerry Goldsmith. But, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. yeah. but then if you listen to anyone's soundtracks, even Jerry Goldsmith, I think he did King Solomon's Mines or did something mm -hmm. like that, where it's like, mm -hmm. okay, this is him doing the Indiana Jones. Like if he was to, and it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't strike the right chord. And of course, Jerry Goldsmith right. also did Supergirl. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and that didn't strike the, the same tones that, that, you know, John Williams did with, with Superman. And, um, yeah. I mean, John Williams was a gold mine for Lucas and Spielberg to find and take these, take close encounters. Oh my goodness. Without the music, close encounters is nothing. It's just, right. I mean, right. I won't say it's nothing because there's, there's a lot of skill going on behind the camera, but those early Spielberg movies, I just feel like you're just watching this hungry young filmmaker who's just trying to, uh, outdo himself each time right and then you get into his later films and it's it's this um I, I, not not lazy uh relaxed filmmaker who's able to rest in his craft and is able mm -hmm. to create things that um you know he, he doesn't have to prove himself he's just making mm -hmm. good movies you know but when right. he's doing close encounters and jaws and raiders and all these things it's just like He's he's pushing the envelope as as hard as he can, and it's just brilliant to watch. Oh, exactly, exactly. I mean, um, yeah. Don't get me started on Jaws. That's another favorite of mine. I could talk forever <laughs> about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I agree that the three original movies as a trilogy that just works so well. Now, personally, I'm a big fan of Crystal Skull, and I know a lot of fans would be like, "How dare you say such things?" But I love Crystal Skull, uh, and Dollar Destiny, which we'll get into both, uh, obviously. But before we get into Crystal Skull, yeah, I want to talk about the side path um, with Young Indiana Jones. <laughs> what do you, how do you feel about Young Indiana Jones? Now, my wife loves them. She was watching them on a weekly basis as they were coming out. I, however, did not believe it or not. As an indie fan, I was, I, I just, I didn't really connect with them right off because. I think it was the younger of the two, the little boy. Mm -hmm. I think that's where they started the series. And I just didn't, it didn't really connect well with me. So I never really got into the young Indiana Jones shows, 
But I have recently bought them on digital, and so I'm now watching them, uh, going through them now. And I'm actually I'm, I'm loving them. I think they're great. I think they're so great. They're also on Disney Plus. That's how I've been watching them is on, on oh, okay. Disney Plus. And okay. um, the only problem for me is, and this might have been my problem back then, because I did not try and catch every episode. Yeah. But if it was on and I was around, that's what I would gravitate to. Yeah. Um, and I did like that they would switch back and forth between the younger and the older, which helped mm-hmm. me as a college student to be able to feel like I want to I want to go with this. Uh, I do. I do think that this might have hurt it was the, the old man indie with the eye patch and he's just this oh. grumpy old man. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I don't know if you've seen the clip where he like goes into a store and he's just almost it's almost Karen behavior where he's like hey, you're not giving me my um and he's just you know, he's he's grandpa though, and he's like he'll tell yeah. a story to his grandchildren who are popping in and then they did one episode where they brought in Harrison Ford. Yeah. And yeah. That it was decent, but it, it still didn't. It was a TV budget. That was a thing. Yeah, it was a TV budget, yeah. but they were milking it for as much as they could. They were doing special effects. I mean, that's another thing. If you appreciate nothing about Lucasfilm, you got to appreciate that everything they did was kind of pushing the envelope with with effects and pushing the envelope with filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And so you've got Return of the Jedi, where it's you know how how many moving things are on the screen at the same time you got mm-hmm. you know, the first star mm-hmm. wars where they're doing the the trench run with everything and and it's the same with indiana jones it was the same with young indiana jones chronicles where they were doing digital mm-hmm. stuff and and creating digital characters on the screen that um you just hadn't seen anything like that on the small screen for a small screen budget um mm-hmm. and so i would catch it and i would watch it and but i wasn't like super into it uh but I did. I do appreciate. I mean, we're talking about that progression for indie of you know witnessing you know the the Hindu magic in mm-hmm. Temple of Doom and then the Ark of the Covenant. Um, yeah. The very first episode. This really stuck out to me. I was it. It's Lawrence of Arabia. He's talking to mm-hmm. Lawrence of Arabia, and Lawrence of Arabia is like, "Mummies aren't real," you know. And it's like <laughs> it's just these really kind of funny. Uh, you know, it, it, it's the only thing that's that's real is what it's what's right here. You know, and and yeah, and it's like so young indie is being you know told at that early of an age, like you know, it's just the physical, and then he's going to grow up and find out. No, no, no. There's there's this whole in this Indiana Jones universe. There's this whole spiritual side, and not just spiritual, but aliens, um, <laughs> and not just aliens, but time travel, <laughs> and so. Um, <laughs> This is where I'm going to probably make the warning. We're, we're going to be spoiling, I think, Dial of Destiny uh, as we talk about it. Um, yeah. But I want to start with Crystal Skull. You say you're a big fan. Um, I, I have a beef with Crystal Skull because Crystal Skull, in my opinion, killed the Narnia franchise. Because okay. they were the okay. same. Uh, was it the same weekend or was it uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader might have been the weekend before. Oh, okay. Now, Granted, I, I think it was Voyage of the Dawn Treader. It might have been Prince Caspian, but I, I'm pretty sure it was Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And so Voyage of the Dawn Treader killed the franchise on its own in some ways, too. But um, <laughs> but the, the, that Narnia movie didn't get a full weekend or a full week to have like a whole week by itself. It, it came out the weekend before, and then Indiana Jones came out with Crystal Skull on a holiday weekend. Mm-hmm. And so it cut the week short, and it just stalled out the narnia and mm. 
I, I'm pretty sure that's the way it worked. I, I don't think they came out the same weekend. I just remember uh-huh. being really grumpy about it. Is what it was. Like, <laughs> I, I may not remember the details specific. I, I should probably just look it up. But yeah, um, but I was grumpy about that, and uh-huh. and then it was just the the other thing for me that took away from it when I watched it then was the digital effects as of uh, opposed to the phys- physical. Even though not every effect was a stunt. You know, mm-hmm. and so you have like miniatures and things like that, but just moving away from the physical effects mm-hmm. into that mm-hmm. digital, and and that just mm-hmm. was that was a weird one for me to like. Okay, how do I? I do like that they aged him. I do like that they kept him. I do like the uh, idea of legacy that they were building mm-hmm. there, which feeds into uh, the Dial of Destiny in mm-hmm. a really interesting way. Um, mm-hmm. Because you had Shia LaBeouf coming in, and I know people were had trouble with that, but I don't think that was a problem. Like that fit into the time period. I appreciate it. We're we're moving into the fifties. We're moving into yeah. the greasers. You know, we're moving into mm-hmm. um, the UFO craze. Uh, you know, post World mm-hmm. War Two, and so I appreciate all that. And then you have the ancient civilizations where they're, you know, ancient aliens. And mm-hmm. I don't know as far as the History Channel. <laughs> the timing of ancient aliens on the history channel, but the just bringing in those things, those, those all hit, uh, you know, interest for me. And uh-huh. then it was also kind of interesting to see Spielberg come back to the aliens, you know, mm-hmm. and, and come back to uh, close encounter ET yeah. war of the yeah. worlds. And then this is kind of his four alien movies. So I forgot yeah. he did. So, war of the worlds. Yeah, I <laughs> I did a video on our YouTube channel. If you get a chance, it's it's under the weak connections um, phrasing that I use for like uh, just short videos where I talk about a geeky subject and then tie it into a spiritual okay. idea. And um, I talk about his alien movies and the progression uh-huh. of aliens in Spielberg's movies where it's uh, they start out and it's just this wonderful thing that gets you so into interested. And then so that's Close Encounters. The E.T. is um, you know, it's your friend. You want yeah. it in your life. And then War of the Worlds is um, <laughs> where it's aliens that just destroy you. And so it's like the idea was um, this is sin in your life. You know, at first uh-huh. it's just this uh, I'm enamored by this. I'm enamored by sin. And then you look to E.T. and it's like, I need this. This is my friend. I need this. And then War of the Worlds, it destroys you. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Um, Clearly that's, that's... not a, a connection that Spielberg was trying to make, but that's why I call it weak. <laughs> the idea is it's a weak connection, but hopefully a strong application. So, so does yeah. the sin aspect tie into the Crystal Skull aliens, or do you cut I it off? I didn't go that far. I, okay, I cut it off. I cut it off before the worlds. So, yeah, <laughs> that's a good. Uh, yeah. That's a good way to bridge the two. Uh, I kind of had the same problem with Crystal Skull uh, in that. I miss the practical effects. Uh, I didn't have a problem with Mutt, Mutt's character. I absolutely love the old man tough indie that we got. I mean, that opening scene <laughs> where they yank him out of the trunk and, you know, yeah. and, and they're and they're smacking him and he just kind of comes back. He rolls with a punch, comes back and he's thinking he's got that. Is that all you've got type of attitude? And I just love that, that, you know he's that he's that age where he just doesn't care. You know it's like slap me around. I've I've been through this plenty of times before, but I agree. I think 
the digital part was just it was just too much. You know, the, the whole chase scene through the jungle, it felt like they had actors in the, in the middle of a video game. The absolute right. worst part of the movie was the Tarzan, you know, bit where mm-hmm. mutt swinging through the trees. Uh, the giant ants didn't feel it. That took me out of it. I mean, had it been done better. I think I would have appreciated more, but there's definitely times in the movie where it really takes you out of the moment. It was all the piece with the series, it, the, mm-hmm. just the gruesomeness of the of the idea of you know just being eaten alive by these ants and using yeah. the, the ants to destroy one of the villains or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Tarzan thing felt a step too far. Yeah, it, because that you know Indiana Jones would swing on his whip, but. Yeah, doing the the vine swinging, because I know you can do it in real life because they had Tarzan <laughs> actors doing that in real life, but it has to be pretty perfect for you to be able to do that, right? In, and to be able to catch up to the convoy is a real big stretch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then there's the fridge. You know, the fridge at the beginning that was a big thing where, like, for me with Temple of Doom, the the musical number. Kind of gets me crossing my arms at first, but the mm-hmm. I know the fridge uh, became that phrase, nuke the fridge. You know, mm-hmm. when did this movie nuke the fridge or whatever? When did the franchise nuke the fridge? Um, that yeah. that's where a lot of people cross their arms. Like this is a step too far. And then you have Mutt, who's already got some controversy there. And then you have the digital effects of swinging on the vines. But I feel like the ending is just glorious. Like I love the ancient aliens. I love the, the communication with the aliens. And then the, when everything Uh starts spinning and everything's going crazy, it's just, that was so fun to me. It was just so much fun. And it's a UFO, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. straight out of the X-Files. In fact, we might've even got that exact scene. I I think we did where Mulder's standing there almost in the same way that Indy is with Uh UFOs going up or whatever. But, um, yeah, I just, uh, there's so many things about that movie that should have just drawn me in. But instead, it gets me crossing my arms. But revisiting it with my son, uh, my my college-age son, a few years ago, we went through and watched them all. Because he's like, uh-huh. I haven't seen these, Dad. Why not? And I was like, well, there's lots of reasons why we haven't gotten around to it. But one of them is just, I just didn't even think about it. you know. So <laughs> let's do it. And right. so we watched through all four and um, really enjoyed just watching all of them, even even Crystal Skull there. And yeah. The, the stuff that bothered me didn't bother me as much maybe because I was prepared for it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The musical number of Temple of Doom still, still bugged me. It still yeah. just took me out of like, it just, it was a Hollywood, big Hollywood number instead of being right. a small, uh, you know, whatever yeah. restaurant number. That it right. Have. It's like, you're but, not going to fit all of those dancers and all that stage in club Obi-Wan. It's not going to happen. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> to me, so, with Temple of Doom, were they, you know, people want to complain about the uh, the refrigerator scene in uh, Crystal Skull, but <laughs> the raft scene in Temple of Doom, I think, is uh-huh. more bizarre. <laughs> it's just as. It's just as bizarre to me. You know, just the fact that they can survive this fall on the raft, just, you know, just kind of catching the wind just right. But uh, I, I feel like I never I know I never saw it, but I feel like Mythbusters might have done something about that. Oh, to see like if that okay. would actually work. But I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I did look it up, and 
what happened with the Narnia stuff, it was Prince Caspian. And so this mm-hmm. was the movie that caused Disney to say, we're not going to make any more Narnia movies. Because Prince Caspian came out the weekend before, and it was Memorial Day weekend was the next weekend. And so Indiana Jones got, you know, I think a Wednesday release and it cut mm-hmm. that week in half almost for, for Prince Caspian. And that's mm-hmm. where Disney cut ties with Narnia and, um, Walden media. And then Walden media goes to Fox with Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which was 2010. So yeah. do you think they'll ever revisit that and finish them out? Or do you think it's, that's, uh, not likely. I think we're looking at a reboot because at least that's what it looks like. So Greta Ger, whoever directed the Barbie movie, she oh, okay. is contracted, I believe, to direct two Narnia movies for Netflix. Mm. And okay. I'm not okay. sure what they're starting with. I'm not sure if they're going to start with Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, or if they'll start with Magician's Nephew and, uh-huh. and go through chronologically or, or how that's going to look. But Oh, okay. That yeah. should be interesting. Uh if you had to bet, if, would you say they're going to reboot it from the beginning? I well, no matter what, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe will be second. And so, even if they do Magician's Nephew first, I think they are rebooting it from the beginning. Oh, okay. But if they okay. do Magician, yeah, because um, if you're reading them chronologically, it's uh, Magician's Nephew, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, and then Horse and His Boy, uh, and yeah. then you get Prince Caspian and Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I feel like if you're asking me, and no one is, but if you're asking me, you're, it makes sense to do Lion, the Witch, Wardrobe first because that's where it started for me, mm-hmm. and that's where it started for the world. But mm-hmm. y- you know, even when I came on the scene and started reading, it was like an early '80s. Um, that was the numbering that they had was mm-hmm. he wrote that one first. You read that one first and then you mm-hmm. get to book six magician's nephew and you find out where do all these things come from. And to me, I mm-hmm. love, I love the idea of reading the backstory after mm-hmm. instead of reading the backstory first and then building up into that. So, mm-hmm. and then, but then horse and his boy, I, again, this is me. If I'm doing Netflix, I'm doing uh, episodes. I'm doing a season and it's magician. It's a uh, language in the wardrobe, but go into the horse and his boy, which takes place during the end of the last couple of chapters of language of the wardrobe and do the horse and his boy and have those actors that you already have playing adult Peter, Edmund, Susan, and Lucy stick them in there, you know, and then, and then they go home and if you're going to go chronological, do go all the way, you know, yeah, but yeah, exactly. Um, We'll, we'll see. I, I'm also really curious just because I know there's a lot of um, pushback because of who the director is and what else she's done. But at the same time, and I haven't seen the Barbie movie. I only know what people are saying about the Barbie movie. And they're talking about you know the woke messaging and that kind of thing. I feel like at the same time, she went to create a Barbie movie that is true to the messaging is either implicit or explicit that Barbie has. And she also made little women. And my understanding was she was pretty true to the book there as well. I feel like if she's going to go into this, she's going to go into this and try to be true to the source material. That's my hope anyway, Mm -hmm, is that mm -hmm. she does like what I, what I would do when I'm adapting someone's book or adapting, um, you know, Bible stories or whatever is just to be as true to the source material as possible. 
and and let the source material speak for itself and not yeah. try and stick in your um, your own agenda because it's not yours. You know, it's um, I mean, the, the example I always give when I like talking about writing, uh, when you're talking about adapting is when I set out to write The Hedge Knight, it was mm-hmm. George R. R. Martin's The Hedge Knight, not Ben Avery's The Hedge Knight. Now, if you read The Hedge Knight, you're going to find a couple uh, little Ben Avery Easter eggs um, <laughs> that are in there. Actually, C.S. Lewis Narnia Easter eggs, as a matter of fact, uh, <laughs> that are in The Hedge Knight. But, um, but anyway, you know, that's, that's the goal is to say, you know, it's, this is C.S. Lewis's Narnia, not hers. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. We'll, we'll see where it goes. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so back to Indiana Jones. Yeah, the new movie, Trial of <laughs> Destiny. What What did you think? Oh, I came out. My wife and I both came out just loving it. I mean, we were probably the only ones in the theater that did so. But as soon as the credits rolled, we just applauded. Uh, overall, <laughs> it's it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, and it's not even close to the. One of the best indie movies, but as an indie movie, I came away from it very satisfied, very satisfied. And of course, like you said, we're probably going to be throwing spoilers out left and right. But yeah, at at uh, this point, uh, yeah, you you said your your opinion. I also I liked it. It's it's not my favorite, but it was good enough. Um, yeah, our opinions are done, and if you are curious. You know, from here on out, though, we could spoil. So, okay, okay, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> I was worried going into this. I was worried because I already feel a little burned from the last few Star Wars movies. <laughs> and although I enjoyed the Star Wars movies, the the last trilogy, it, it just overall was not satisfying to me. It just wasn't what I was expecting. Wasn't what I was hoping for, but it is what it is, and I'm not going to be one of those fanboys that's just going to cry foul the whole time. Um, <laughs> so I was a little nervous going into Doll of Destiny. Uh, now I will say this: the trailers all nailed it for me. I, I every time a new trailer dropped, I was excited as all get out. I was feeling like it was. Back in 1989 again, when I was so excited for Last Crusade or uh, 2008, I think for Crystal Skull, I was yeah, definitely yeah. excited, and I was, you know, getting my uh, little 12 inch Indiana Jones Hot Toys figure, and I was putting it up on the mantle, and Colleen was like, "Oh gosh, here <laughs> comes it, it, the Indiana Jones stuff is like <laughs> creeping back out into the den and and, and living room." Uh, I was excited. Um, and once I went into it, the opening scene, it just, it just got me. I mean, it's like Indy whipped me with his whip and he just, he was tugging me in. <laughs> I I know there's been a lot of people who were like, oh my gosh, you know, the, the deep fake, you know, technology and all that. But mm-hmm. I was sold. I mean, of course it's not perfect. It's not, it wasn't perfect for the Luke Skywalker reentrance into the Mandalorian, but it, it worked. It worked enough to get you excited and to to put you in the movie and that opening sequence with the uh, dollar destiny just I, I would have taken an entire movie like that you know with with a a, a younger indiana jones uh 
who knows? Maybe one day we'll get that because they have the technology. <laughs> but um, I left very satisfied. Uh, I was a little scared. You know, once I, I I was like, once I went back into time and back in time, and I was thinking, how, how are they going to get out of this one? And when he was shot and you're thinking they're going to kill off. It, it was Han Solo all over again. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I hated that they took Han Solo from us just at the point where he was going to make amends with his son. Um, and I kept thinking they're going to Han Solo this again. And man, when, it, when he woke up back in his apartment, I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I feel like you should not kill the Indiana Jones character on screen. You sh- it's just, he needs his happy ending and I'm glad they gave him a happy ending. Well, and that's one of the great things about this is first of all, they've changed Canon. He's not this grumpy old man, and he's grumpy, but he's not <laughs> with the patch on his eyes, you know, and all all frazzled and everything, and um, yeah. you know, having to deal with yuppie '80s uh, children and, and all that. Um, <laughs> and they've so they pulled that from canon. They keep the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles that exists as a thing, and so you're able to like go from this, you know, precocious eight year old or nine year old boy to what? How old is Harrison Ford now? Is he? 80 now? Uh, yeah, I believe so. 80, I mean, 81. You know, so you're, but the way that they ended it was, I think, pitch perfect. I mean, I'm talking about the last scene where yes. it's just the hat, the the iris goes down and he reaches mm-hmm. out, grabs the hat, pulls it off the line. <laughs> why is it on a, why is it on a laundry line anyway? I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Um, but it, it's just so cool. Like, yeah, and it's okay. The adventure continues. It may not be the same kind of adventure, but he and um, and Karen Allen, they're going to go on with life and they're going to live yeah. life together and they are going to, um, you know, continue discovering things or you right. know, teaching right. and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really appreciated the thematic value of the time period that they used, you know, and so mm-hmm. you have rock and roll music, which is, you know, we had it in the 50s, you know, but this is... Um, I can't remember if it was the Beatles. I think it was the Beatles that was playing yeah, I believe when he so. wakes up the one morning. And uh, and then you have the the space race, you know, uh-huh. and they're talking about um, it, it's looking into the future. It's looking into, um, you know, this is where things are going. And here's this right. man who he's all about um, living, literally living in the past and <laughs> getting the opportunity to literally live in the past. You're right. Um, and so you have them looking out and forward and he's looking down, you know, mm-hmm. literally cause he, he's digging things up and, and backward. Um, and so there's, there's that, that was just, to me, that was a really rich idea to, to pull in and something I've appreciated about all of them. Now it's been easy for Raiders of Lost Ark, Last Crusade, Nazis, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so for this one, it's, you know, who helps us, who helped us get into space? Nazis. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, not, not all of them, but there were some of those scientists who were a part of our, our program. And right. Right. So it just, you know, just the way that they kind of fit those pieces together. And I, I like that, but yeah, the opening sequence, uh, it just, yeah, it, it wasn't perfect as far as like, you're watching, you know, okay. Um, 
I think someone says like watching PlayStation Two or whatever. It's like no, it's, it's PlayStation Three. I mean, come on, let's give it some credit. You know, PlayStation Four, but um, right. no, it was it was fairly decent, and yeah. I think it was the way to go. Uh, you so you can still use Harrison Ford, but you're not. Um, you know, he obviously can't do the stunts that he used to be able to do, and he's not going to look the same. And you can even hear his age in his voice mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. some of that early yeah. stuff, where it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, it's it's definitely he's 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 older now. And right, yeah, but just that whole scene that was really cool. I like that the they had the little kind of fake out with the the spear of destiny. Yeah, and how <laughs> it's a fake. It's a fake. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um. But then the real thing here, there is the the dial of destiny, and I'm just like, where is this going? How how right. is this all working? You know? And then he's he's teaching, which makes sense, and using the overhead projector. <laughs> that um, was a bit bizarre to see Indiana Jones in an overhead projector. You know, but you know, but you know, uh, time appropriate, right? Right, <laughs> like right. Was, um, I mean, we're still using overhead projectors. 15, 20 years ago, to be right. honest. But, um, yeah. It, it, some of the things, did it go a step too far with the time travel? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the, the thing that after it was done, I'm just, I love time travel. You know, mm-hmm. the, uh, time travel is one of my things. My first published comic book was time travel. My, um, my big, uh, breakout book I may not breakout book but one of my big publishing deals was a time travel book um, and now my novel that I just did there's time travel like it's just gonna be a part of things for me forever uh, right and and so I don't but I don't always want to see it you know and when, yeah. when the Marvel Cinematic Universe pulls in time travel and I'm like you know the multiverse isn't far behind and it just right. I know that they want to do the big stuff and have but I just wanted it to let's just let's just stay on track, you know, let's just right. bring in new characters. And, and I've enjoyed multiverse stuff with Marvel cinematic universe. And I've enjoyed some of the time travel stuff that they've done with, uh, um, well, they did with angels of shield, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So for this one, I got done watching it. And I'm just, okay. The music is spot on. There's moments in this movie that feels like it's, we're back in the saddle again, mm-hmm. literally for him. Um, but the time travel, I'm just, okay, I know we saw the the power of God, which um, if there's one complaint I have about Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's just <laughs> what the power of God looked like. I'm like, okay, this is this is not my God. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is the Indiana Jones universe God. Um, yeah. And we, you know, the, the, um, the stones in Temple of Doom and mm-hmm. the aliens and Crystal Skull and the Holy Grail is real and works. In the Last mm-hmm. Crusade, um, but that Socrates built a time machine. Mm-hmm. I was just, uh, I don't know, I don't know. I know. I, I was for a moment there. I thought as they were on the plane and heading into the vortex or whatever they describe it as. I, you know, of course, doing the Figments podcast, I turned to Colleen and I said. Are they going into the Bermuda Triangle? Is this is this going to be like a Bermuda <laughs> Triangle slant type of thing? You know, I, I was still trying to figure that out. Um, so yeah, it's they managed to pull it off, I guess. It, it's it's a bit out there, you know, the time travel thing, yeah. but I can appreciate it. I, it, it. They made it work. 
I guess, <laughs> as best I, I could. I read an interview. Yeah, I read an interview with the director where he was talking about how um, they thought about going back to the forties and mm-hmm. it becoming all about you know stopping the guy from you know taking Hitler's place, and it became. They, they just couldn't get it to work. It just didn't feel okay. right. It just didn't work well. Yeah. And and then they're talking about how he didn't account for continental drift. How could he know about continental drift? And I'm just thinking, oh, wait a minute. Because <laughs> this is a time travel story. Please don't steal this, people. But I, I want to do the story of how when you travel through time, wherever you go in, in time – the earth isn't in the same place as when mm-hmm. you, so you leave mm-hmm. and you're in this spot on earth, but you'll be lucky if you're on the surface <laughs> of the planet, you're going to end up in the vacuum of space. I wondered if they would actually end up in the vacuum of space. And I was just like, Oh, wow. I guess I can't do that story now, you know, because uh-huh. it didn't account for continental drift. And so now, uh, but instead it just takes them back to Socrates, which that then kind of turns it into a little bit of a, a big coincidence for me. Right. And uh, I give me coincidence at the beginning of your, your story. Cause use the coincidence to kick the story off, but don't resolve your story with coincidence for, for me. I feel like that's a big no, no. Um, I I'm forgiving for, especially at the beginning coincidence or some sort of important plot point that hinges on the coincidence. If it doesn't happen, the story doesn't happen. But yeah. I don't want it. I want agency for the characters in the, in the uh, climax. And so yeah. go back to Socrates is time. But then, you know, they also set it up. They put Chekhov's watch in there, which I don't know how Indiana Jones didn't realize, Oh yeah, that's not a watch that Socrates made back then. Time travel must <laughs> exist. You know, like that, that for me made me wonder, like, are we actually going to go back in time? Yeah. And, and, I, I wasn't sure that we were going to go back in time, but it made me wonder if somehow someone actually was going to travel with right, time. Right. And, and, and they did. And it was, it, it was not the climax that I wanted. And so when I, you know, you're building your movie up and you want people to leave on a high, well, this was building the movie up and then kind of like, ah, I don't know how I feel, but then brought me right back in. And especially that final scene. Right. Oh, just a little beautiful little moment there. Right. And I think that's why I'm so forgiving of, of that, the end of the movie is because, oh my gosh, I'll tell you. I mean, to me, I, I always call, refer to Colleen as the Marion to my Indiana Jones. And I remember when the movie starts and you realize they're separated and Colleen mm-hmm. and I looked at each other. We're like, oh man, cause <laughs> One of the beautiful moments in Crystal Skull was that wedding. You know, it's yeah. like, I mean, he finally got the girl, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's obvious he was destined to be with Marion. And so when we got that at the end of Crystal Skull, when they took it away from us at the beginning of Dollar of Destiny, I was like, oh, please don't, don't, don't die a bitter old man. And the moment she walks in through his door at the end. I could hear a calling like squeal or, or <gasps> <laughs> it's like, she's back. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that part didn't get spoiled for me. Cause after the movie had been out for like a, 
a week or so, suddenly Karen Allen is showing up in the promo pieces and people are like, you're spoiling um, the movie. But yeah, I can forgive the weeks, the weak parts of Dollar Destiny because like you said, they ended it on the best way possible, the best way possible. Well, and they, the character arc and the emotional through line of Dial Destiny mm-hmm. is you you know starting out he's alone he's right he's grumpy he's a grumpy old man you know but he's uh, just going through the motions of life and and then you find out slowly they peel back the story and mm-hmm. I really appreciate them doing that because you're okay he they're separated okay well. That's not great. Okay. And then from there, it's uh, finding out what happened to Mutt mm-hmm. and finding out, you know, like there's a little bit of guilt. You know, he, he went to war uh, to spite me or whatever, you know, and which means they didn't ever have a resolution there. Mm-hmm. And um, the their marriage falling apart and them separating totally makes sense in that context, because when right. a, a family loses a child there, you know, the the divorce rate goes exponentially up for families that have dealt with loss of a child or, um, you know, other kind of tragedies like that. Mm-hmm. And so that makes sense. You know, it, it, he, they just became emotionally distant, especially him. It sounds like, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and then to come back and to have is it Colleen, is that the, yes. Okay. Yeah. When she, um, yeah. So, they go back in time and I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this, but it does tie into just that whole emotional arc for him where it's, I don't have anything else to live for. And here I can learn all the stuff I can, right. I can find out all the things I didn't know. And, but she's like, y- you've been shot. You're going to die. You mm-hmm. know? And that's where at first I'm thinking, Oh, maybe Socrates can help him. <laughs> he'll, he'll live. And this is how we're going to end is him. Just living here, you know, mm-hmm. they're not going to kill him. I mean, oh, wait, what did he do in his last big franchise movie? Oh, yeah, he, <laughs> he killed Professor X, didn't he? And, and, and Wolverine, you know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, maybe they will kill him. Um, yeah. But then the solution of her just punching him in the jaw, knocking him out and taking him back where they have, you know, antibiotics and all those things to be able right. to, to heal him. Um, I was not expecting Karen Allen to walk through the door. I wasn't expecting Mary. And I was expecting, no. this was just the end. Um, but then, you know, she comes in and it's just, okay. And then the callback too, the yeah. callback of well, where, <laughs> where doesn't it hurt? You know, right, right here. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and just that, that callback was, was pitch perfect. Um, so it went down, but then came back up. Right. And yeah. So if you're talking about a binary thumbs up, thumbs down, it's definitely a thumbs up. Definitely a right. thumbs up. And uh-huh. I don't think there's any movie in the franchise that would be a thumbs down for me. I, I, no, I think no. e- even Crystal Skull will be a thumbs up for me, but it's, it's more of a, you know, middling kind of a thing. But it's, <laughs> if you're choosing one or the other, you, it's, it's thumbs up. I, there's a, there's more that I enjoy about the movie than that I don't. And the good feelings I have in that movie, outweigh the the grumpiness about Narnia for one but then you know, <laughs> it, it just yeah so I, I, I enjoyed right. it I really enjoyed it right. and so Dial of Destiny just yeah definitely a thumbs up for me I can't decide if so my ranking is uh, Raiders of Lost Ark is one 
Last Crusade is two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really close, but Raiders of the Lost Ark just, just kind of edges it out partially because it was the first one, partially because of the, um, just some of the stuff I was talking about with Spielberg being this really hungry director who's doing these crazy, mm-hmm. um, making these crazy choices, you know, keeping just one camera. Uh, going on the scene, but moving from place to place instead of cutting between, he's moving the camera. You know, just different things like that. Um, I can't decide. I think Dial of Destiny out outplaces Temple of Doom. I think Dial of Destiny would take number three, but Temple of Doom and Dial of Destiny might are you know they might fight for it, and and Temple of Doom might you know knock Dial of Destiny's hip out of socket and take the win, but. Um, and then Crystal Skull is, is fifth for me as far as the right. the ranking of them. So what's what's your ranking? Oh, easily Raiders by far. And I mean, I've said it many times. Raiders is my all time favorite movie uh, by far. A lot of people because I did the Star Wars podcast for seven eight years. People are like, "Oh, Star Wars is your favorite movie?" No, no, actually, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> Raiders definitely. Last Crusade. Very close second, like you're saying. It's it's very close for me. I feel a, such a strong connection to Last Crusade uh, on so many levels. Um, third would have to be, um, I think I would say, Dollar Destiny. I would have to put that okay. as my third. Um, and Crystal Skull would be my fourth over Temple of Doom. But... They're very close together, but I, I, I just feel that there's a lot about the Crystal Skull movie that really pulls me in a lot more than Temple of Doom does. That's just, you know, it's just me. Yeah. I have to well, ask. And for uh, me, uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was to say for me, the, the ranking is like, which one would I rather watch? Like if I'm going to sit down and just watch one and, it, you know, say it's been a year since I watched one of them, which one would I sit down to watch? You know, and if. And if you peel them away, okay, Raiders is not on the table. Which one is going to be? So after that, which one is it going to be? That's, yeah. I think, how I would look at that that ranking. So Right, yeah. right. And I, I tend to put uh, Crystal Skull on as, like, background noise when I'm doing housework or if I'm drawing or something. Generally, I'll put Crystal Skull on a lot more often than I do Temple of Doom. <laughs> That's just okay. me. But what I was going to ask is, what did you think of the Helena character in Doll of Destiny? Because I know a lot of fans are kind of split down the middle with how she, she, uh, how she is. Oh yeah, that's when it. Yeah, when I was asking got- if Colleen was her name, I was talking about Helena, I think. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I kind of liked her. Then I didn't. And when she was. They just did so much with her with all the switch ups and all the twists right. and all of the like, which side is she on? Um, she was enough of a bad guy for me that I just I wasn't on board with her. Uh, and, you know, she betrayed him. And mm-hmm. that's that's our indie. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's our indie. You just betrayed. I, I don't like that. Um, right. And then you had, you know, her her little sidekick as well, uh, who. You know, he had his moments, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about her. I, I, I don't want the next movie in this franchise to be her. I no. <laughs> I'd rather they just stop here. <laughs> um, but uh, as far yeah. as the story, as far as story needs, she fit. 
You know, she, she came in, she was the chaos that disrupted his life. She was the, the thing that was bringing him out of his regular day life to into the adventure. Um, Mm-hmm. And she did yeah. so in a way where she uh, was lying and was betraying and yeah. And then of course she comes around, but by then it was too late for me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. her punching Indy. Okay, good. Good choice. Thank you for bringing him back alive. Um, her tracking down Marion. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad you did that. But at the same time, you, you really kind of, I don't know if besmirched is the right word, but besmirched your father, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So not a fan of the character. Um, yeah. Personally, I was a little, but, but go, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was say personally, not a fan of the character, but as far as the story and the movie need, uh, it, 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 it that character was needed. Right. And yeah. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure how to feel about her as the movie was going through. I, I liked her at first. I thought she was an interesting character. I uh, like that. She had this connection to Andy as being his goddaughter. But the moment mm-hmm. we realized her greed, uh, her betrayal, I was like, oh, like, who is this yeah. woman? You know, it's like I couldn't stand her. I actually, I actually kind of liked the Teddy character. Uh, I, I think there was enough there to like about him that he didn't really annoy me. I thought he was going to, <laughs> you know, when I saw, I guess what I saw, like the pop vinyl at Target and I was like, who's this? And I realized it was like some sort of character in the movie. I was like, oh gosh, it's like, who's, is it going to be like an annoying, you know, plucky sidekick or something? But he actually didn't annoy me all that much. I kind of liked his character, but yeah, I'm with you. I think it was too little too late for her character once she did finally come around. I I appreciate that she had that redeeming moment, but I kind of like didn't wasn't a fan. Still not much of a fan yeah. of that character. But uh, uh the the kid character, well, I can't remember what his name is, but the the kid character Teddy. um yeah, as soon as they introduced him so it's panning through as, as Indy's walking through and he's sitting with the American pilot and he's got yeah. the fake uh, cockpit stuff around and the, the pilot's telling him how to fly. Uh-huh. And as soon as that <laughs> happened, I'm just like, oh, so this kid's going to fly them somewhere. Like right. This, <laughs> <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I don't uh-huh. know why they're setting this up, but right. okay. And then I do think it's hilarious that the plane that he gets in and starts flying pilot was sleeping in the back like, right just... <laughs> thank goodness because right. that there was an actual pilot on board i thought that was uh-huh. that was clever because there's yeah. no way that kid would have brought him back otherwise <laughs> <laughs> so so the one last thing i wanted to mention and this was this goes along with some of the the, the spiritual ideas from the other movies but in this one this is something that indy says and it kind of it makes sense in the world that he lives in where all these things, time travel, UFOs, uh, Hindu rocks or whatever. Um, this is the one big kind of thing that I just was like, okay, there's some, some something to chew on here. Uh, but it's not the kind of thing where you want to like live your life according to this, but it's definitely something to, to chew on. Um, Indiana says, uh, I've come to believe it's not so much what you believe, 
but how hard you believe it. And that was just, it's the kind of, the, the problem with that messaging is that's something where we want to be careful, you know, and we want to make sure right. that we are paying attention to, to right voices. And so when I say this is something to chew on, it's not to chew on because, hey, there's some truth here. It's to chew on to say, like, okay, so where does this lead? You know, and, and that this is, again, makes sense of the context of his world where there's just all these different things. And, it, you know, multiple religions have some sort of factual truth to them, whether it's the aliens or, the, you know, the Hindu rocks or, um, or Christianity. You know, um, there's a spiritual reality to his world. Makes sense for him to say, but um, it kind of takes us a step away a little bit from from Last Crusade, and but it also feeds into that just idea of your truth, you know, and mm -hmm. and the the phrase I, I hate it every time I hear it, and and usually when people are using it, I can give a, a little bit of grace because it's when they're saying your truth. They're not saying there's literal multiple truths. They're saying your perspective of the truth or mm -hmm. your reaction to what's happened to you or your, your perspective of what's going on around you. Um, but, you know, you know, Jesus is the truth, you know, and like there's, there's one truth and that's something that you can say. There is only one truth. Either something is true or it's mm -hmm. false and anything in between is us getting it wrong. <laughs> you know, like that's, if there's, yeah. if we're looking at something and we don't know that's true, don't know that's false, or we are looking at something and don't know the whole truth, that's because we live in this gray in the middle, but we should be straining towards the truth. And so for him to say, it's not what you believe, but how hard you believe, like, mm -hmm. no, no, that's not true. You know, it's, right. it, it, there is one truth, you know, I am the way, the truth and the life. There's one way to the father, but through me and, yeah. um, and, and literally saying, you know, calling himself the truth, you know, that's, that's mm -hmm. a name that Jesus gives himself mm -hmm. because he values truth so much. And, mm -hmm. you know, he is truth. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So anyway, that was a little piece that kind of stuck out to me. It's like, Oh, okay. I hear what you're saying there and makes sense in the world we live in. For people who aren't following Jesus makes yeah. sense in your world, makes sense in your world where, uh, you've seen, you know, you've been under voodoo mind control. <laughs> you know, you've, right. you've, uh, and if you take, take the comics and the books and I had, I had a choose your own adventure book. It wasn't, mm -hmm. that wasn't the branding choose your own adventure. I can't remember what the branding was. Uh, it was like, uh, which way and something about um, fate, I think find your fate find your or fate. something. Okay. Find your fate. Yeah. I actually have those yeah, stashed um, somewhere. I just can't remember what they're called. I had a couple of them. I got them from the book club that you would, you know, take that paper <laughs> the <home>. scholastic. <laughs> yep. Yep. Check they still have that. Want. Bring in they, the cash. They still have that at the schools. <laughs> well, I'm very glad they still have that because that was one way. I mean, my family valued books and yeah. maybe too much because if you look at my <clears> stuff now, like there's just too many too many heavy boxes when we had to move. But, um, but I know kids back then kids. Now it's important to get books into kids hands and scholastic. It was a cheap way to get decent books and mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, the, 
there was one it was the eye of the fates is what it was i think he was going after one of the one of the fates um eye from greek mythology that mm, i had i remember that okay. one but um but yeah so like, there's all these things that exist in his world where okay maybe in this fictional world for indy yeah you, you just whatever you believe in the hardest is going to be end up being strongest for you or whatever but now that I say that, though, I mean, that in some ways becomes self-fulfilling, where whatever you believe in the hardest, if you believe, okay, I can eventually I'm going to scratch this lottery ticket and I'm going to win. <laughs> and if you believe that hard, then um, not that it's going to happen, but it's going to define what you do. And, and yeah, so. Right. Anyway, that was, I felt in some ways a step backward from the spiritual connection that I got with the leap of faith and the penitent yeah. man. And then the, this is the cup of a carpenter, you know, like mm -hmm. that, that this feels like a little bit of a step backwards for me. So I, I, I can agree with that. And like I said, it, it's, there's so much little nuggets of truth all throughout the last crusade. And I think I, that's what I love it so much. I is there's so many little takeaways from it. I've, um, I've, I used to teach art and, Often I would reference Raiders and Last Crusade with the kids. And I'll tell you what, you know, they, they, they think the younger crowd has outgrown Indiana Jones. I could tell you they have not. Uh, I would, for a part of my art history lesson, I would show them Raiders and I would pick out certain things in the background, like, you know, and I would relate it to real art history. Like, well, you'll notice as he's going through this temple, look at the carvings on the wall. And I would take that and I would show them real examples in real life as part of my art history mm -hmm. lessons. But I'll tell you what, man, the kids who hadn't seen Raiders, I mean, even the ones that were just wanted to sit in the back of the classroom and talk and cause trouble and be the class clown. Even those kids, when Raiders or last crusade was playing, they were glued to that <laughs> screen and just hanging on every word of Indy. But I would often reference uh, Last Crusade with, you know, the biblical truths, you know, like, okay, we're going to watch Last Crusade, and there are some aspects of art history I want you to take from it. But also, really think about what his dad is saying here, and here, and the leap of faith. And yeah, it's, it's if you, if you dig deep enough in Last Crusade, there's a lot of little nuggets you can, you could take and apply to, uh the Christian walk with, with others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we did like, I remember, so last crusade was 89. I'm mm -hmm. in college in 92, 93. And, um, we had those conversations in the college dorm rooms, but then mm -hmm. we also, I remember, uh, helping out with youth group and we're going to show the scene in, in the youth group, you know, we're going to, let's talk about the penitent man and the leap of faith. And yeah, um, I mean, it was literally being used for devotionals and, and that might even be uh, some of the places where I'm like, okay, pop culture, you can be used to uh, express spiritual truth and to, um, if not teach perfect spiritual truth to uh, allude to and use to jumpstart conversation about. about yeah. It. And, yeah. So I'm a big believer that you can use pop culture as a way to open up those conversations with non-believers. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. But, um, all right.
right. Well, I think we need to wrap this up. So, okay. Eddie, um, I guess the, the the question I always ask my, my guests is where can people find you online? Like uh, you, you say you've you've done some podcasting, um, that you're on hiatus, but I, I'm assuming it's it's out there, right? Like people can oh, find yeah. this yeah. or – Yeah. Um, you can find uh, quite a bit of the stuff that Colleen and I have done. We've done Figments, the Unexplained Mysteries podcast, and – you can find several of those on Facebook. Just go on Facebook and put Figments uh, Podcast or Figments Unexplained Mysteries. Uh, we're on Instagram under Figments as well. Uh, we did a, another podcast for we, – we, we set out a year and we said we we're going to do this podcast. We called it Fan and Wife. It's out there on Facebook too. But uh, actually, I think most of the videos have been pulled off of Facebook. But we're going to, at some point, we'll re-upload those to YouTube. So okay. if you want to follow Fan and Wife on Facebook, whenever that happens, there'll be a notification. Um, haven't done a whole lot in the realm of art or comic book illustrations, but I plan to get back into that. So if you are interested in that, you can follow me on Instagram or on Facebook under EdMedArt, E-D-M-E-D-A-R-T. And you should be able to find those accounts. All right. Cool. Well, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. And um, I was looking forward to this. And yeah, we'll we'll find a way to get you back on here. Because what uh, I tell I'm guests, you're family now. You're family now. <laughs> you know, you're Strangers and Aliens family. Um, and it's I want to get back into the, the rhythm of, of more regular episodes. And th- that does mean finding ways around my regular co-hosts. Um, during the gaps, you know, how do I, how do I bring people in during the gaps? And so this is, this is one way. So I appreciate you being here. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Please do check us out on, uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash strangers and aliens. Please check us out on YouTube. Last I looked, we were at 199 subscribers on YouTube. Who's going to be number 200. It could be you. So it might be me. It might be Eddie doing it right now. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, and that's something that uh, I'm experimenting with uh, doing the video feed and audio feed and, get, and putting both of them out there. Um, and so we'll see how that works out. But, uh, yeah, check us out on YouTube as well. And, again, thank you so much for listening. And, you know, wherever your journeys take you, whether it's a time travel journey you weren't expecting or whether it's um, – you know, just traveling around the world on a red line from dot to dot. I want to wish you Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Lethel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter where we are at Strange and Alien or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-3781. And once again, thanks for listening.
Oh my but gosh, we, of course, in the then, night. <laughs> yeah. 